Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us on another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Uh, when I say us, I mean the metaphorical us. Uh, actually, flying solo here again today. Just me getting coming at you, you guys here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's tough out there, you guys. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, had uh, not one but two guests lined up two guests lined up and uh unfortunately fell through at the last minute um i actually recorded something last week uh on my own and had some technical issues so uh been a little bit of a rough week (laughs) that's a rough one there you know (laughs) jeez um but uh yeah bear with us here guys uh coming at you here i figured i'd get something out to you people you know you guys deserve it, all right? If, if anything, that's uh, the most important thing here. But, um, yeah, we're going to put something together for you. It's it's going to get uh, a little political, you guys, to be honest. It's going to get a little bit political here because i got a few things i got to get off my chest, all right? This shit's been weighing me down. I haven't had nobody to talk to, and uh, i got to figure this out. So it's going to get a little political, you guys, but uh, bear with me. If it's not your thing, I totally understand. In fact... You know, looking back on the whole politic thing, I, I kind of feel like it's one part of our lives where maybe willful ignorance was the way to play this one. I mean, it's too late for me. I care way more than I should at this point, but uh, might have been the better route here. Not really sure, but uh, but yeah, it's it, and it's tough for me to do it a lot of times when I have these guests on. Sometimes because if they're that's not their thing, they're eyes just completely glaze over and they give me the thousand mile stare you know so i figure if i get into it might as well be a good topic for something to uh discuss when i'm by my lonesome so uh yeah what the heck let's just get into it here you guys get this thing moving um why don't we talk about the big guy himself uh the trump meister um Less than a hundred days into office now, and uh, he's already got himself into a little bit of a foreign policy quagmire here. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen uh, some missiles were shot, some Tomahawk missiles were shot. Very courageous way to fight war, Uh, you know, shooting missiles off of a ship from four or five hundred miles away kudos for that move um yeah just i i i don't think anybody thought it was gonna be this quick i mean less than 100 days in and we're already we're already going here with this one and uh god i gotta tell you guys it's a it's it's fucking it's fucking tragic i mean just more and more of the shit uh seems like it's never gonna end one fight after another thing just keeps going i mean there's a lot of ways to look at this situation I mean, there's people that have said he's making a statement, trying to show how tough the military is, trying to show how strong we are. Maybe he's even trying to make the statement that I'm not in bed with Russia either because I'm sure they weren't too happy about this, although they did get a call before it happened. Uh, hey, get all the really valuable stuff that you care about. Get it out of there. And then uh, we're going to drop some bobs. But got us into this and... Uh, I don't know. It's kind of crazy to me how much people aren't really paying any attention to this. Like, 
you know, out of all the things that have been protested, 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 out of all the things that have been protested in the Trump presidency, I'm not really hearing a peep out of anybody on this one. I mean, even the, even the MSM isn't having too much to say about it, I feel like, which I don't understand at all. Like, this is our, if anything, this is your chance to actually kind of be upset here. And, you know, all this was, this whole action was predicated on a supposed chemical attack, which, you know, I don't want to go as far to maybe say false flag on this one, but you got to wonder why Assad's military, after making gains for about six to eight months here now, they took back Aleppo. Why would they choose now as a time to release uh, chemical weapons and bring that element into this game when when they're consolidating their power they're taking land why why would they go for that i mean ron paul pretty much came out and said it was a false flag and i gotta tell you as that guy gets older he he seems to be more and more right about these things i mean the guy's 82 years old and he's still smarter than anybody i know it seems like but so this whole situation you guys is it's honestly it's uh, i don't even know completely what to think of it at this point i mean i could totally see this being trump just flexing the muscle here a little bit saying hey you know don't fuck around everybody and who knows why he thinks he needs to do that maybe he's doing that as a show of strengths uh, as a way to discourage you know any adversaries of ours to come at us to try us to see what we're made of Maybe he's putting his foot down early on here. I I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of the rosy scenario that you would have to paint. But if it's not the rosy scenario, then it just feels like to me the same people behind the scenes are just calling the shots here once again. and, and, And the agenda is continual war. I mean, that's the only thing. We're almost setting up for a proxy war with Russia here. Like... And that's what's crazy. We got all these geopolitical tensions just rising now. I mean, we got North Korea. Now that's a huge issue. The war of words has escalated to pretty much the breaking point here, you know, pretty much as far as it can go. I mean, you know, everybody's wording their things very carefully, but, you know, oh, if they attack us, then we're going to, I mean, obviously the U.S. would respond. There's That's not even a statement that needs to be made, but. Now, North Korea, oh, if they attack us, you know. And again, it's like, are we the biggest threat here with North Korea? I, I think there's some other people who are in, in even probably dire straits when it comes to them. And how come we're not hearing from any of them? Where where are they on all this? Sorry, I got to wet my beak there a little bit. It's uh, It's just... You know, these tensions are rising everywhere, you guys. And I've already brought up Russia, but, uh, you know, I thought we were going to have a, a, a decent relationship with them, at least during the Trump presidency. But it seems like that might be out of the window at this point, too. So uh, it's just, I don't understand why no one really paying attention to this. I mean, I don't want to sit and say this is the beginning of the end by any means, but... This is definitely a tense situation, and if all these things came together in the wrong scenario, this could play out somewhat poorly. 
this could play out somewhat poorly. I mean, I don't know how this thing's going to go from here in in Syria. I don't think that Trump would ever let us put boots on the ground, but I'm sure we got advisors there. I'm sure we got a thousand to fifteen hundred guys checking out the scene, seeing what's going on, advising the quote unquote moderate rebels that we've armed. I mean, it's these situations. They just they it's, again. It seems like they'll never go away. It seems like the agenda is continual war, and who knows? Maybe maybe there's nothing that'll stop it at this point. I I I don't understand it. I mean. When when this election came around, this was the first election in my day that I have been a single-issue voter. One single issue on the ballot for me. And that issue this year was war or the end of war. And that's it for me. Uh, when I think of the biggest problems facing this country right now, uh, dialing back the military and ending all these pointless wars would solve probably two of the three of them. And so this is basically why I've become a single issue voter as far as this topic goes. And this is why I voted for that complete nutcase Jill Stein, because I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. think we would have waged a war on anybody with her, maybe Exxon Mobil possibly, but Maybe those guys need to take some shots these days. Who knows? But I'm just I'm it's I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. It does nobody any good, and I'm surprised how downplayed it's getting. Uh, as far again as far as the MSM goes, I mean they're not really covering it at all. But uh, this geopolitical uncertainty is is bad for everybody. There's nobody it's good for, including us, and it hurts us potentially the most too because you completely bring our economy into the question here. And um, we're kind of at some weird point here right now. I mean, there's been a stock market rally ever since Trump got elected. Um, You know, we're up 10% or so. We're eight years now into the longest uh, bull market that the uh, stock market has ever seen. The only one that being longer than this was from 87 to about the year 2000, which uh, luckily had the fortunateness of being involved with the fall of the Soviet Union, the creation of the Internet, and the the biggest surplus the national budget has ever seen under uh, Mr. Bill Clinton himself, actually. Uh, One of the, the best things that the Clintons have ever done for this country got to certainly give him that one you know i mean he, he might have got lucky there for some of those factors but uh then again when the guy that created the internet is sitting in the office right next to you uh you know maybe you set yourself up for success on that one who knows but uh kudos to you on that one old billy boy but um yeah so there were some good factors there for that one um us i guess we had the whole smartphone revolution i guess um I don't think that was think that was more of a consumer type deal, but um, yeah, I don't know. And we're a long way up here. You know, the market, like I said, has been up about ten percent since Trump got elected, and that was on optimism about things like tax cuts, infrastructure spending, 
uh, repealing Obamacare and, you know, deregulation essentially across the board. And now at this point, we, there's been failure on repealing Obamacare failed on that one. The optimism about tax cuts is probably not going to happen at this point. I mean, he's reaching across the aisle asking Democrats for ideas here. So tough to think he's going to get a consensus on anybody as far as this goes. A pretty hot button issue for the Republicans. And I mean, the infrastructure, maybe at some point we'll see, I guess. And deregulation, that's possible too. But I don't know. I don't think the market is... I think it's priced in a lot of stuff that might not end up happening here, that we might not end up seeing. So I think we're at a little bit of a scary point here right now, you guys. I mean, we already mentioned the geopolitical uncertainty. We went all the way through that. There's been some economic data that came out the last week that's been pretty poor, to say the least. You look at the March jobs report. They had an, we had, they had an estimate of 175,000 jobs created for the month of March. Um, actual actually came in just a smidge under a hundred K 98,000 jobs. So that was a, that was a pretty big miss there. That was a pretty big miss. Almost, uh, almost half as much as they anticipated. So that could be a one-off thing. There's no question about that. That could have been a one-off month. Last month was, they revised those numbers down, but uh, it was still a pretty solid number. I think it was even 180 or something or 170 even after the revision. So strong headline number, the strength of those jobs is certainly questionable. Other data that's come out that's not been very good either. You got the Atlanta Federal Reserve GDP estimates. They were at the beginning of this year. They're about, I think it was three and a half. I want to say somewhere in there, maybe a little bit more, possibly a little, little bit uh, less. Uh, now, now they're under, under point nine percent now, under point nine percent. So that's almost three percent right there that the, that they've contracted in just a couple months now, which nobody's talking about that. Uh, I mean, that's a significant. Revision, you guys, three percent in growth. That's those. That's huge numbers. And again, this could be just a one quarter, one month blip here. These things could be just uh, just one off events, but there's a good chance that they're not, you guys. There's a good, good chance that they're not. And we're in a situation where if things do get ugly. It's tough to say how bad this one's going to get, you guys, because uh, quite frankly, looking back on it, 08 and 09 probably wasn't as painful for this country as it needed to be. I mean, I know there's I know there's going to be people that say, oh, fuck you. I lost my job. I lost my wife. I, I got erectile dysfunction. You know, I, I understand that that was certainly a tough time for some people. But I'm saying as a people, as a country, as a whole, wasn't probably as much pain as needed to be suffered there. And we had a lot of bubbles and they burst and the Federal Reserve came in quickly with cheap money and now they've just pumped all these bubbles back up again. And you you look around everywhere, there's bubbles all over the place. The stock market, all-time highs, 
the real estate markets, all-time highs. I saw a sign down the road for me talking about Shoreline Real Estate, and they said up 13.2% year over year. And I'm just looking at this number, and I'm thinking, how sustainable is that? How sustainable is 13% growth year over year? You're essentially going to, your house is going to double in value in six years. So you could buy a house and it's going to double five times. It's going to, it's going to be worth five times as much by the time you're done paying it off. I mean, who, who wouldn't buy a house at that point? Who wouldn't pay $700,000 for a four bedroom at that point? Who gives a shit? It's going to be worth five times as much. This thing will be worth three and a half million at some point. And maybe it is, but are there going to be people affording those houses for 3.5 million? I don't know, guys. I don't know. I mean, and and it's not just that either. Those are, those are some of the biggest ones, but you got auto loans. There's a ton of auto loans that have been started going bad. You got student debt, which is probably one of the most important yet least talked about out of all these bubbles. I mean, you got people who can't get, aren't going to be able to get jobs if the economy turns, and they're going to have student loans to pay back. You're in the hole, a gigantic hole in some people's cases. I mean, some people it's 100, 150, some people it's 200 grand if you went and got your master's. And now you, and you can't have a job, and you're in that big of a hole. I mean, that's a god awful place to be. I look around, I see my friends when I'm hanging out with them and a lot of these girls, they have the iPhone and you know, you got each category, you go into the apps that are part of this category. I see these girls, social media categories. They have like nine or 10 different social media apps that they're currently and actively using nine or 10. There's a bubble in social media. You guys, I mean, not that this really has that much of an effect on the economy per se, but I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And again, this one is particularly dangerous, you guys, just because of how much debt we've pumped to reflate this bubble than the, over the last eight to ten, eight, eight years, basically. Let's call, let's call it what it is. The last eight years, how much debt we've pumped into the system to reinflate this bubble. You got, not only is it us too, it's, they got a ton of debt in China. China is racked up a ton of debt. And back in 08 and 09, when there was a crash, they didn't have any debt. So that served them well. This time they got a lot of debt. So, I mean, that's not a good sign for them either, especially when there's tensions and potential for a trade war going on right now. It's like, Jesus Christ. And, I mean, I just see other stuff too. It's that's, that's not even it. I mean, you got a bunch of hedge funds now that own houses. Uh, I mean, if you don't know, if you if you guys don't know what a hedge fund is, basically they're money managers that you know they get rich people to chip in money, and they have a fund, and you know they have a theory, and they sell stocks, whatever, charge you money to manage your money. But they've got into the business of buying houses, and that is a particularly scary proposition for me because these companies, if the stock market were to sell off, and we and we had that issue pop up. You got a situation where people are, could be calling for redemptions. And what that is is when they call people call up their hedge funds, they say, 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve. Yeah. No, it's been great with the being with the company. You, you know, you guys done good. You know, we got after fees. I mean, we we did okay. You know, we made seven eight percent over the last few years. Um, I think we want our money back. I think we want our money back. Yeah, they're going to be doing some layoffs at the company this next quarter, and I, th- I think we want our money back. And you get enough of those people calling and asking that at the same time, which is exactly how these situations happen. It's a lot of it is sentiment. How do people feel? Do people feel good? Do they feel bad? Do they feel okay? Are they scared? Are they nervous? Are they batting down the hatches? I mean, that's a huge part of all this. So once you get once you get the sentiment kind of lost there, then the hedge funds, they have to do whatever to get get the people their money, to cash people out. And if they need to sell these houses, they'll do it if they're desperate enough at rock bottom prices. You guys, at rock bottom prices. I mean, they'll write these houses off 10, 15, 20% just to get that quick sale, just to get it to turn over and to find a buyer who's got the cash because they need to take that cash to give it to somebody else because they're basically running close to a Ponzi scheme. So that is not a good factor playing on the side of the housing market and one that is being completely overlooked. I mean, nobody's really talking about that. Nobody's talking about it at all. So... Uh, it's it's we're in a really tricky situation here you guys we're we're at a point now where you know i'd hate to say we're balancing the budget it's still 600 billion dollar deficit but if a couple of these factors come into play you guys this deficit could be the the biggest balloon of them all and that could balloon to potentially somewhere around $2 trillion a year, I'm going to say. I mean, I don't have any figures, you guys. Okay, let's be honest here. But you bring in a couple of factors. You bring in less less revenue, maybe some tax cuts. Maybe there'll be, a, if anything, there'll probably be some kind of a across the ta- across the board tax cut. Maybe the top 1% uh, has to pay a, a percent or two more, you know, just for show, just to make people feel better. But there's going to be some kind of tax cut. So, so you got tax cuts. You got... Uh, decline in the economy, less tax revenue. You got uh, baby boomers who a lot of them are going to be retiring. They're not going to be paying any more taxes now. They're 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 going to be done paying taxes. They're going to be taking money from the deficit now. They're going to be adding to the deficit, and we're going to lose the revenue from them. So you got that. I mean, again, you get these things come together, and it's a perfect storm, and that budget deficit could go to two trillion dollars. In no time, a couple lay, some layoffs, a little bit less tax revenue that way. Not as many people are working. More people are on unemployment benefits. I mean, that could spiral out of control in a hurry. You guys, that could be that could be a six to an eight month process. And I know you say, well, six to eight months, you know, it's kind of no for for the complete solvency of this country to come into question. That is incredibly fast. So and. That's a situation that every is going to look bad for everybody, you guys, and could potentially lead to a currency crisis. I mean, it might be a day when the dollar loses 10, 15% of its value in one day because people realize that we can't pay all this shit back, 20 trillion, and then we start adding two, two a year. So, so, and, and, you know, I don't, don't want to, I don't want to be a fear monger here, you guys. Okay, I don't want to try to scare anybody. I don't want to be going nuts. Most of the time on the show, 
I like to have a good time. I like to talk. I like to BS with my guests, joke around, have fun, talk about some political stuff, but joke around and talk with some real life too. But I'm here by myself. And to be honest, I think this shit needs to be talked about because no one's talking about it. And I don't know if you know the business cycles at all. If you're not, it, it's this shit's boring to a lot of people. I get it, you guys. It's not everybody's jam. It's not many people at all. I, I, most people are bored with it. For some reason, I'm into this shit because I'm a weirdo. But this is stuff that everybody needs to be talking about because every cycle in the business cycle, there's always a downturn at some point. And people have very short-term memories when it comes to feeling pain. When it comes to the bad times, the things going to people have very short memories. They want to just try to think positive, put a positive spin. But here's the reality, you guys. The economy can only go up for so long, okay? Especially when you got the Federal Reserve that's just doping it with heroin, keeping it going and keeping trying to keep it floating high. So it's going to turn, you guys. It's just a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it's a matter of how bad is this going to be? Can we make this a soft landing or is this going to be a crash landing here? So, and you know, your guess is as good as mine. I am one of the kind that says you need to be ready for all situations. So I just, I'm just, I'm planning for the worst here. You guys, I'm preparing for the worst and I'm going to hope for the best and in doing so, I wanted to help you guys out too. You know, you're the listeners. I care about you guys. I want to see, I want you guys to be ready for anything here because I don't know exactly what's going to happen, you guys, but I can almost guarantee you that the rest of this year is going to be turbulent for whatever reason. I mean, we got plenty of stuff that you can bring to the forefront and say, this is a reason here. So we won't even go through that. You guys can figure that out on your own, but it will be turbulent and I want you guys to be ready for anything. So I got some tips here for you guys. I got five good tips for surviving the coming economic downturn. Okay. And these are just some things you can do starting right now to get yourself ready and get yourself in a situation where if even things do get ugly, hopefully you're prepared and you can get through it. Because there's going to come a time, you guys, where you know, it, the main thing we're going to want to do is just get through it. Just figure out a way, keep pushing on, and get through it. Okay. So here are my five tips for to prepare for the coming downturn. Number one, pay off all bad debt. Now, there's two types of debts. There's good debt and there's bad debt. There's... Good debt, which is assets that appreciate in value, uh, things that you get dividends from, a lot of the like. And your house, your house is a very hotly debated one when it comes to this issue. There's two ways to look at it, in my opinion. I look at that as bad debt in the short term because you're on the hook for that payment every month. That has to come out of your finances and it goes to the bank and a good portion of that goes to the bank just in interest. So in the short run, that is bad debt. In the long run, it's it's good debt. Once you get to that point where you're paid off in, or you're getting it paid off pretty well, then it starts turning into good debt. But in the short run, it is bad just because you're on the hook for it. So uh, if any way possible, you got to try to get rid of it. Um, 
Now, more importantly, I'd say are things like credit card. Credit card is pretty much the worst kind of debt you can have. Consumer debt, it's usually for nothing. Um, Me personally, I am battling right now paying off my own credit cards. I'm trying to practice what I preach here, and I'm effectively doing my best to get my credit cards paid off. Uh, I got a couple of them right now, and again, it's for some bullshit. I, I took a trip, actually, to be honest. I took a trip. Uh, spent some money there, thought I was going to have some work lined up when I came back and things didn't pan out exactly how I liked. So didn't have that extra income to hold me over, but I'm working on this myself, you guys. And it's not easy. It's certainly not fun. I was breaking down the numbers the other day and I was looking at it and I was looking at all the payments I had to make all to the credit card companies. And then one for me, I got to put some money in the savings and I'm looking at it and I get this, I'm getting the smallest cut out of everybody. Out of four or five players here, I'm getting the smallest cut out of everybody. I mean, what what a fucking joke. What what am I doing here? This is ridiculous. So I'm hammering away. Uh I've basically set myself up with what I call a ten month plan. Now this basically means that right now I'm paying ten percent at least of each of these credit cards. My largest balance, which unfortunately for me happens to also be uh, my highest rate, that one I'm paying off extra fast. That one's getting about 15 to 20% each payment here because that one's eating me up the largest. And you always want to go for the highest rate stuff first, and you want to get that taken care of first and foremost. It's that may, that way it makes your dollars more effective down the line when more of your dollars can actually go towards the principal as opposed to paying that interest each month. So get that paid off. Auto loans, if you guys get your cars paid off, this is, this is bad debt. I mean, we all have to have a car. It's uh, pretty much a way of life in this country where we live. But that being said, not everybody has to have a car payment and the quicker you can get to that point of no car payment, the better. Even if at this point, you guys, you, you can only pay an extra 20, 30, 40 bucks a month. Even if that's the most you can do, just just do it, you guys. Just do it while you have a little bit of spare. It's going to, yeah, you're going to say, man, that sucks, but pay more. But you're going to be happy you did when you had something because there, who knows, there might be some months down the line where you're not, you're going to barely be able to come up with just the minimum that they ask for. And you're going to be well, much better served paying that little bit of extra uh, when you when you could when things do get a little tight. So try to get that rid. Of. Student debt that's another one that is pretty brutal. And honestly, it's it's that's tough because the second you start making some income, you got to pay for that. And but and you know it's a lot of times that takes a long time. But you got to try to get it paid off, you guys. Uh, we're in it we're in an environment where even if the fed federal reserve doesn't raise interest rates which they've said they're going to three times this year uh i actually have a bet i got the under on two so we're they're already in for one this year but again this is all this uh, economic data came out so even if they don't raise though the rates are going up whether we like it or not it, it's just a fact that that's how it has to go so um and you know, you want to have your stuff paid off as much as possible before those rates go up because you think it's bad now. I mean, that interest will rise. That m- amount each month, it'll go from 80 to 100 to 120 
to 150 and then you're paying a couple hundred dollars a month just in interest alone just to get back to zero from what you guys from what you already owe these people so you don't want to be in that situation guys pay off a little bit extra if you can right now and highest rates first but whatever you got to do get it paid off and luckily for me, you know, on the 10-month plan, I'm paying more than 10, a little bit more than 10% each month. So hopefully it'll even be a little bit sooner than that. But once I do get to that point, you guys, all those lump sums I've been paying to the credit card companies, those are going to me now. I'm going to keep making those payments. I'm going to keep getting by. I'll be okay. You know, I'll kind of be skating by just barely. But those payments are going to be going to me now. So uh, that's going to be a really good feeling when that happens. And unfortunately, we're seven to eight months away from there. But time, you guys see it, it's flying by these days. So keep making those payments, do whatever you can, and get all that bad debt paid off. Number two, lower your burn rate. Uh, This is going to also be known as tightening your belt. This is basically a process that we all need to do where we decide what our priorities are. We have to go essentially line by line and just say what's important and what's not and prioritize things. See what is the most important, what's somewhat important, what's not that important, what can I go without with? Because we need to have a plan and you need to have some things that you can quickly get rid of or stop doing or cut back on that are going to help save you money and kind of give you some more wiggle room to work with. I mean, do you need that Starbucks every day? Do do you always have to have it? Somebody was on that. There's a Starbucks on the high on highway 99 going into Seattle and it's a weird setup. They don't, you can't even go in. It's just drive through, but their drive through lane only holds about seven or eight cars. So, Somebody's waiting in line. They're sitting on Aurora Avenue with their blinker on waiting to get in and get a fucking Frappuccino or, as I like to call them, a coffee milkshake. In the morning, they're sitting on the highway going zero miles an hour and people going by them 50 miles an hour because they're waiting to get a fucking Starbucks. I'm like, maybe maybe just call it this day. you know? Maybe say, hey, wasn't wasn't in the cards this day. I don't need to get rammed by one of the ducks and get you know completely devastated in an accident here just for a fucking milkshake this is ridiculous so try to find those things you guys that aren't quite as important and that you can get rid of and then you can say you know maybe eh, i'm okay with that lower that burn rate number three consider contingency plans okay and along with this keep yourself informed This basically to me is the process of going through the what ifs, okay? You got to play out all the different scenarios, play them out so that you have at least an idea of what you would do if that situation were to arise. Now, this means you got to go with the best case scenario all the way to the worst case scenario. And in all honesty, the best case scenario, you really don't even need to go there, okay? A uh, retarded autistic sloth was going to be just fine in the best case scenario. They're going to get by no problem. Okay. Worst case scenario, this is the one that you need to have a plan for, you guys. Okay. This is the one that makes the most sense for that. Maybe it's not going to happen. Probably won't. Hopefully won't. Um, you know, it's pretty far off, but it could happen. And again, 
this is the one that you need to have a plan for, you guys, because the worst case scenario, when that happens, that's when you're going to see a lot of people who are caught off guard and aren't ready for this, and it's going to cost them severely because of it. So play out all the scenarios, you know, go through them, you guys. Again, it's a little bit far-fetched, but... You need to go into this at least with a little bit of knowledge and say and have at least a framework so that when you do see those red flags, you see that warning. You see uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average down 4,500 points today. When you see that those red flags go off and those alarms are set, you know what to do. You know to spring an action. You know to say, Oh boy, this is okay. This is actually what we planned for. Oh, geez. so that means if this is happening, I got to start doing this. Oh, okay, all right. Let's let okay. Let's get moving here. And because if you guys wait to have a plan until that moment hits, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. You're going to miss your opportunity. Um, things are going to happen. You're not going to be able to go to the store and try to get some supplies. People will already have taken everything off the shelves. I mean, you guys need to play all the scenarios in your head again. They probably won't happen. They hopefully won't happen, but they could happen. And therefore, you need to have at least a framework of a plan going into those situations. Otherwise, especially if you're somebody who has a family and kids, okay? If you're just a single person, then, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. That's up to you. That's your deal. But if you have other people that are counting on you in your life, you need to consider these things, you guys. So stay informed and always consider contingency plans number four start storing slash stocking up on goods foods supplies non-perishables things of that nature that would come handy in the long run okay this is just a good thing for anybody to do this this isn't even survivalness or apocalypse or armageddon type stuff this is just what you should be doing basically as adult I mean, you go to the store, I see these people, I have these friends who will go to the store and they like, we'll just say a particular type of soup, okay, Campbell's Chunky Chicken Noodle, you know, they really like that soup, they'll go and they'll go to the store, they'll be completely out of their house and they'll buy one can of it, they'll buy one single can, it's like, if you like that soup, just buy three now, just buy three right now. And that's now you're billed two at home and Hey, maybe you have two, you only got to get two more and you'll be back to three. So you're almost getting a good deal and you get to have more of your favorite soup. You guys, okay. Don't buy just one, get some stuff together, have a certain amount. I mean, I go to the store and basically what I'll do is pretty much every time I go, I buy a little bit more than I need. I see what I need on my list and then I go to the can good section or the dry goods section and i just grab three four maybe five if i'm feeling extra spendy extra things and it's after a while you guys it starts building up your uh pantry starts having some meaningful rations in it and that's the thing that's what you guys want because you don't want to be having your shelves look bare because you hadn't gone to the grocery store in two weeks when the shit hits the fan. I mean, that's not going to be good. You're going to be in a bad situation as far as food goes in a matter of a week or two. And that's not where you want to be. You want to have at least enough to maybe sustain a month or two 
three would obviously be better, but uh, you just start stacking up a little bit, little bit by little bit, you guys. And here's the thing: if shit doesn't hit the fan, you know, if nothing happens for a year, eighteen months, and you start stacking now, imagine how set and prepared you're going to be at that point. And it, best case scenario, if nothing happens, then you just got a shelf full of food. You got a bunch of options. And hey, you want to not go grocery shopping for two or three weeks. That's fine. Just, you know, burn, burn through some of the stock you got there at home. No problem. It's a good problem to have. I mean, I'm to the point now where I can't realistically, I can't put too much more. I got four full, completely full shelves of canned goods. I got a couple boxes that are full of canned goods as well that are just sitting on the ground, just waiting, you know, to be picked up and thrown in the trunk of my car need be. I mean, there's plenty of stuff in there, so I'm going to, myself alone, I could sustain myself at least for probably three months on this, on the food that I got if I rationed it well, which again is enough time to wait this thing out, see what happens, lay low for a couple months, and then maybe have a, another different escape plan. So just it, a part of being prepared for whatever is having those things around and this is going to sound like a huge lush, but even booze, even booze, you guys, anything of value. I mean, I buy bottles of wine. I don't like bottles. I don't like wine particularly, but it's not bad to have them around. A decent bottle of wine is like $7. And so I just, I have like nine or 10 around and I never drink them. So, so I, they never go anywhere, but, uh, you can bet if the shelves are empty at all the stores, uh, you can bet that a bottle of wine will definitely be worth something. Okay, I don't care. I don't even care if it's a Sutter home. All right, uh, it'll be worth something. Anything that's worth money. I mean, around here, even marijuana, you guys, even marijuana will be worth something if worst case scenario situations come to be. I mean, you can't eat a twenty dollar bill. You can put a little bit of weed in it and smoke it from it, but uh, nonetheless, that weed is the much more important element there. So. Uh, anything that can store value, you guys, that people are going to want. I mean, the only reason that, that the U.S. dollar has any value is because people want it. Now, all this stuff that I'm saying is somewhat predicated on people not wanting the U.S. dollar, which it would put us into the situation that I'm potentially forecasting here. But at the moment, people do want it, and that's where all of its value comes from. But that's it. It's nothing else they can do for you. So start converting your dollars into real tangible goods. Number five, diversify your wealth and once again, stay informed. So this means don't just keep all your wealth in U.S. dollars, U.S. stocks, U.S. real estate. You guys got to be, you got to be a little more balanced than that. You got to have your hands in a few more baskets. That way, if one basket lights on fire, you're not going to burn every single one of your hands that you got. It's, I'm wearing this analogy out. This is terrible. But you got to be diversified, you guys. Okay? I mean, this is my argument for buying gold at, at this point. It, it, it's a situation where gold is a store of value. You know, again, I just said U.S. dollars are not worth anything. Gold, what's gold worth? Technically, technically, it's not really worth anything, to be honest. Technically, it's not. But it's a hedge against inflation, you guys, because... The federal, the central banks, they can't print gold, okay? The the gold companies, they can't print gold. They got to go out there. They got to spend money to mine it, the little bit that they can still find. So, you know, it's a store of value in that regard just because people can't make more of it. So, 
will it be completely bullish and and gonna make you a ton of money i i don't i don't know i i don't think that that's necessarily the reason to get into gold i think the more the argument is a hedge against inflation if inflation starts to run rampant you can best believe that gold's going to be going up with it too and who knows gold's sitting around 1300 right now even back in 2011 2012 it got up to 1700 and change and that was when the economy was doing fairly good and kind of recovering. Gold was doing pretty well too. So, I mean, I think it's got a lot of ways to run from here. And if things do get ugly, there's nothing that says the gold can't be worth $5,000 an ounce. There's nothing that says that. So, I think a 5 to 10% allocation is definitely a good thing for most people at this point. And... Hey, you make some money on it, you know, things go go south, stocks sell off, you make some money on gold, hey, sell your gold and buy some cheap stocks, you know, that's fine, there's a cycle to all this, you know, it's not just buy and hold forever, I just think there's certain times that it's good to hold some gold, and I really, really think that uh, right now is one of those times. I mean, and it's not just gold either. It's just any hard asset. You know, you got, I look, something that I'm going to go for probably, I'm going to start buying the physical. See, the gold is kind of tough because it's 1300 bucks an ounce, so that's tricky for people like us to get in. So I think possibly the better way to play gold at this point is buying ETFs, the GDX, the GLD, things of that nature, financial instruments that track the gold because it is hard to own physical gold. I mean, you can get a gold account, at goldmoney.com so there there is ways to do it but i think just as far as the dollar per ounce cost i think digitally might be the better way to play gold at this point but as far as real hard goods go um i'm looking into silver you guys i'm looking into buying physical silver and the reason for that is again it's it's a store of value they can't print it and there's even a more convincing case for silver, really, in my opinion, as opposed to gold, because there's an industrious purpose to silver. You know, they use it for a lot of parts in cell phones and a lot of chips and all that kind of stuff. And it's a metal that they actually have a legitimate purpose for. There's real, besides jewelry, there's not a lot of purposes for gold. So, and silver's in a unique situation because it's per ounce price is actually fairly low still at this point fairly low i think it's about eight some of the spot price right now is about somewhere around 1850 somewhere in that category so um i think there's a definitely a huge case to be made to buying physical silver just buying the coins buying whatever and again because that they can't they can't print that you know there's only a certain amount of that stuff and when all when all the fiat currencies and all the paper money start to go to shit all that stuff's going to be become worth a ton and you know you're gonna want some of the digital and you're gonna want some of the hard that you can hold in your hand too so and again it's about diversifying you want to have a little bit of stuff all over the place so like that like i said any real goods any things that have an literal demand Uh, again it sounds silly to say but booze if the stocks if the shelves at the at the uh, market if they all become empty you know, everything's gone. People are going to want booze. Okay. There's going to be a lot of lushes out there still. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying go necessarily 
buy a bunch of booze, bottles of booze. But at the same time, if shit did get hectic and you had a half gallon of Jack Daniels, you best believe that that half gallon is going to be worth more than the $35 that you might have paid for it at the store. Okay. You better believe that it's going to be worth a hell of a lot more than that. Unfortunately, you might have to trade a chicken to for a pint, you know, something weird like that. But best believe it'll be definitely be worth something. So get your money into some real goods, some things that people will actually need. All right. And just be diversified. You guys have a little bit of money around all over the place. Don't have all your money in just stocks, this stock, you, the stock of the company you own. Be diversified and have a little bit of something going on all over the place. It really helps make sure if one thing falls off that not everything completely falls off the map. And that those are my five tips. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually left one off too, and this is actually really important, so we'll just say it's six, even though six is a weird number for tips. People don't like that, but six inch with a tip, that's different. Um, last one, number six, and maybe the most important. Here, guys. And this is the one that we can do the most about too. Be appreciative, you guys. Okay. Be appreciative of what we got. Don't be looking at your situation and thinking about all the things that you don't have. Try thinking about the things that we you do have. Uh, warm place, warm bed to sleep in every night. Uh, you get to take a warm, nice warm shower every day. Um, you know, you don't have to live in an area where crime is rampant. I mean, be appreciative of the things we got, you guys, because when it comes to tightening our belt and, you know, having to snug things up a little bit, we need to appreciate the things that we got because it could always be worse, you guys. This shit could always be worse. And if you don't appreciate the shit you got, then you're going to be a fucking ingrate and people are not going to like you. You're going to be a piece of shit and you're going to be the first one who the group banishes them off like in The Walking Dead. You know, they're going to say, fuck this guy. We don't need him. He's unappreciative piece of shit. He's always pissed off, always mad about something, always talking about how he doesn't have this or that. So be appreciative, you guys. I mean, mindset is huge through all this. Again, it comes down to sentiment. How do people feel? What are they thinking? And if you're appreciative, you're going to get through these situations, no matter how difficult they are. You're going to get through them with a good attitude and you're going to look back and you're going to feel better about the situation because of that, that is going to have played into your hand big time for, and a lot of times all it takes is just appreciating the little things that you do have. So be appreciative you guys and you know, be prepared you guys just be prepared again. I don't, I don't want to be a fear monger here and getting everybody all amped up and all excited and all wild about this, but this recovery can't last forever you guys. And again, this, I don't know exactly how bad it's going to be, but it could get real bad before it gets worse, before it gets a little bit worse. So just be prepared. You guys have a plan and, you know, don't get blindsided because that is the worst situation. And unfortunately it's going to happen to a lot of people because they're naive. They don't think anything bad can happen. They think the good times are always going to be rolling. And unfortunately the world doesn't work like that. So just be prepared. You guys, all right, have a plan together. All right, that was pretty downtrodden. So um, I'm going to wrap it up here in a minute, you guys, because I've been actually going eh, about 50 minutes. Yeah, wow. A little bit longer than I thought. Jesus Christ, if I get going on this shit and I just fucking can't stop, you guys, because, again, I, I said this many times in the show, too, and 
I don't like this at all, but I just, I feel like in my heart of hearts, no, I feel like, uh, I feel like my most dire predictions are some of my most accurate ones, you guys. And again, I don't feel good about that, but, um, I think this, this, this year is going to be turbulent, you guys. So get ready for a little bit of a bumpy ride and, and be ready to expect anything. So, but I got a little something fun here. I wanted to end the show with another, actually a little list of, uh, tips here. So, um, I've had a lot of my friends, God love them. They're good people. They mean well most of the time, but sometimes they just do the shit that just annoys the fuck out of me. I want to strangle them. And so I just wanted to make some tips. You know, I'm in my thirties now, early thirties. A good friend of mine had a birthday today. Happy birthday. You know who you are. Um, and you know, there's some things we're all in our thirties now and there's some things we need to have figured out by now, you guys. So I'm going to run down a list of here. These are my top five tips for adulting in your early 30s. Top five tips for adulting in your early 30s. And by the way, I cannot stand the word adulting. It fucking pisses me off so much. And people think they're so clever when they say it. it pisses me off so much. Oh, God. The only thing worse than that is woke. That's the only thing that's worse than adulting. But here it is. Five tips for adulting in your early 30s. Number one. When texting me your address, just text me the address, okay? Nothing else needs to be included in that text, okay? I don't need a here is my address in front of it, all right? I'm not going to see three numbers to start it off and think that you accidentally gave me your social security number, all right? I'm not a complete moron. Just text me just the address. If there, How it works is you hold it down and it copies every single word. I just want the address, okay, when I paste anything. You've done it 18,000 times, all right? Don't act so dumb and not know that this is the easiest way to do it. If you need to have a little tidbit, second message. Put it in another message immediately after, okay? But just give me the old, just the goddamn address. That's all I need, okay? I'm not going to confuse it with something else. I promise. Number two, start making your bed every day and doing your sheets regularly. Okay. Now, this doesn't seem like a big deal to most people. I will admit that, but it's a very big deal. It's a very big deal, and it's one of those things that it says a lot about the type of person that you are. Okay. You make your bed every day. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is Tim Ferriss' podcast, okay? He is the man who wrote the four-hour work week, uh, basically guy who tries to get the most out of the, out of the least and do things the most efficiently. He said five tips for starting off the day great, one of those being make your bed every day. And I could not agree with him more, although I didn't need him to seal me on this one. This was my mom's doing, actually. God bless her soul. She uh, she definitely got me making the bed early and often. But make your bed, you guys. It's the first victory of the day for you, and it's one of the easiest. It takes 15 to 20 seconds, unless you have restless leg syndrome and you're kicking like a kickboxer all night long. It, it only takes a minute. Okay, it, Not even. And the feeling you get of the the warm welcome you get from a nicely made bed you guys 
especially when you're shit house drunk like I was all weekend. It's just it's so great. It it feels great. It's wonderful. You you're just happy to be there. You want to dive in. It feels good. Make your bed, you guys. You don't want to come home to a a swirl of what looks like soiled linens from a ho- a grimy hotel sitting on top of your bed with your sheets just exposed to the air and everything else that goes with it. You don't want that, you guys, okay? That's not inviting. And you bring some girl home and she sees that. That's not going to get the panties wet, all right? They they want that shit tight. They want it made. They want the pillows fluffed, all right? Just put a little work in. It takes 45 seconds, you guys, and it pays off for the rest of the day. And as far as the sheets go, do your goddamn sheets regularly, you guys, okay? Now, ladies, this isn't really an issue for you, okay? I don't know how all of you ladies do it, but I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and say, in general, you girls are pretty pretty tidy and pretty on top of this one. Guys, get it to fucking gather, okay? Get your shit together and start doing your goddamn sheets. I had guys, when I was when I was growing up and live, first started living on my own, I had guys I lived with who didn't even put sheets on their bed didn't even put sheets on the bed and these were some of the nastiest fucks that i knew Uh, i mean talk about an easier way to ruin a mattress it going to bed not clean and not putting any sheets on your bed i mean how fucking savage are you do you live in a third world country come on start doing your sheets you guys too now, you got to keep these sheets fresh, okay? I know these people, they want to go months and months without washing them. I, I, I know some comedians that do. I, I won't call them out by name, but I know there's, they're certainly out there. But here's how it goes as far as sheets goes, in my opinion. The frequency of you doing your sheets all comes down to how much booty you're getting, okay? And, you know, we don't, I don't need to hear from you. You don't, need to, you don't have to blow smoke up my ass. You don't got to, you know, prove yourself to me. Okay, just prove, just be honest with yourself. And if you're getting laid pretty frequently, you know, in a serious relationship, I mean, again, it probably won't be a problem because if there's a girl in the relationship, I'm sure she'll, you know, crack the whip as far as this goes. But you got to be doing the sheets. If you're getting regular booty, you got to be doing the sheets every other week at least, maybe, if not, maybe once a week. You guys, okay, if you're getting, uh, if your room is smelling like Badussi, all right, because we all know about that wet spot, and nobody can control that, nobody knows when it's going to happen, and you're not going to lay a towel down every single time, I mean, come on, talk about killing the fucking mood, give me a break, so, got to be doing those sheets, you guys, now, if you're not getting a lot of, if you're not getting a lot of booty, then, and you're somebody who goes to bed, for the most part, pretty clean. Like me personally, I'd say probably 75% of my showers are in the evening. Most of the time, right before I go to bed, go to bed, get or take a shower, get clean. And then, you know, an hour or two later, I end up hitting the sack. So if you're somebody who gets to bed clean and aren't getting laid as much as you'd like, then you can back it up three, maybe every four weeks, maybe once a month, get the laundry down. Okay. That's fine. But no more than that, guys, okay? That is that is absolutely it. That is pushing it, all right? These, these comedians, two or three months without doing your sheets, get it together, man, okay? Nobody's going to want to suck your dick when it smells like a constant Dutch oven when they go down on you, okay? It, whether it's because of your nasty dick or not, all right? So get your shit together, make your goddamn bed, and clean those goddamn sheets, you guys. Stay on top of that shit. 
Number three. Don't have 6,354 emails in your inbox, you guys, okay? That shit is so fucking corny, all right? Get rid of that shit. You know how dumb that looks? What are you, what are you doing? That's just a problem that you've let go on for so long that you don't even want to address it or you're not even willing to do anything about it. I mean, get that shit down, okay? Just delete them all. Who gives a fuck? Delete them all. I don't care. Oh, what are their work emails? Oh, yeah, I could have missed something. No, no, you're not even going to open most of those again. You're going to stress about it for 20 minutes after you delete them all, and then you'll forget about it. You're never going to think about it again. It's like an old love note, an uh, eloquent love note that somebody wrote you in junior high. It's like, oh, yeah, it, well, yeah, it made, it made you feel good at the time. Yeah, it, at the time it felt great, but it was also coming from a 12-year-old who didn't know anything about life, so it doesn't really mean anything, all right? Just, just fucking, just get, just get rid of them. Get rid of them. You don't need them. It looks corny. It looks tacky, especially if it's your work email. That's, that's ridiculous. All right. Maybe save the last twenty and get rid of the rest. All right. I'm gonna call you out on that shit every single time. And and old voicemails too. Get rid of them. And, I mean, unless they, you know, actually bring joy to you. He, he brings a smile to your face. You know, make you laugh. Get rid of them. Number four. This is a big one. Quit thinking about yourself all the goddamn time, all right? Now, those of you that have kids, this one doesn't really apply to you. Uh, But unfortunately, my friends, that's only about 30 to 40% at this point. So uh, hopefully that one doesn't apply to you. I shouldn't say for sure, but hopefully it doesn't. But quit thinking about yourself, you guys, okay? Perfect story of an example of this. I'm at the gym the other day. And this guy's doing some deadlifts. Seen him there a couple times. White guy, big untamed beard, of course. Wearing the uh wearing the aqua socks shoes in the in the gym. Uh so immediately right off the bat, don't like him. Um he's doing some deadlifts and he's packing some weight on there. He's putting some big pounds up. I'll give him that. He's putting up somewhere around three hundred, maybe three fifty, somewhere in that range. Guy is dropping the weights so goddamn loud though that it's like a small seismic event in the gym every time he drops it. And not only is there percussion from the sound itself, but the whole building shakes from it. The whole fucking building. And he, and he just keeps going unabated, unabated. And it finally gets to the point, I'm looking around and I see other people and I'm like, oh, geez, they got like that, you know, the eyebrows going up like, whew, man, this is, wow, this is kind of rough here, you know? Like completely throwing everybody off their game. It's like, it's like there's a firecracker going off in the corner of the room, you know, people are trying to work out, focus, be determined, run as fast as they can. And there's a firecracker going off in the back of the room. So I got to the point where I just went over and I talked to the guy. I went over and talked to the guy and I was like, dude, I was like, buddy, you got, dude, you got to, you got to, you got to drop the weight a lot lighter, man. I mean, come on, you got to, and you know what he gives me? He goes, dude, you don't know how much weight I'm lifting here, man. You, you don't know how much this is. I was like, I was like, oh my God, you're such a fucking bro. You're such a goddamn bro. I was like, I, I get it, man. I respect that. That's a lot of weight. That's definitely tough. But if you can't drop it, then you, maybe you don't need to be picking it up. You're, every single person here is getting out of, you're completely putting them out of their focus. Every single person here is being distracted by this. I, I was like, and then I, I was like, I, I can't believe I'm even having to tell you this. I'm, I can't even believe you just can't even just realize this, man. And, you know, it was kind of weird because, like, it never even really escalated at all. But still just telling him that he needed to do something like really got my blood flowing it was kind of weird but almost like it was a fight it was gonna i guess that's just like your instinct as an animal to you know be prepared for any situation Ooh, there's a call back for you guys 
But um, yeah, it's like just be have some self awareness, you guys. Okay, it's not all about you. You pay fifty dollars for access to. 70, 80, 90 different machines, weightlifting machines, you pay 50 bucks a month for that because you got to share it with the rest of us, okay? That's how it works. So quit thinking about yourself and maybe try to think about people around you, at least when you're in public, okay? When you're in the privacy of your own home, you can be as selfish as you want. Do whatever you want. But when you're at the gym, maybe kind of think of some other people here, pal. Thanks. Appreciate it, Aquasox guy. All right, number five. This is probably the biggest one to me and the most frustrating one I see with some of my friends. Stop living with your parents. You guys, we're in our 30s now. We're in our 30s. If it was ni- if it was the 1970s, or the 1960s, we would be shamed by our peers for living with our parents though. We wouldn't have any friends unless our both of our parents had two massive strokes and we were taking care of both of them simultaneously while working two jobs we would be shamed by all of our peers for living with our friends i see this all the time too with my friends it's not even there's a lot of them i mean and granted i'll give you guys real estate prices are through the roof rental prices are right there with them you know that's how the system works but come on you guys figure it out there's something i haven't lived with my mom i'm i'm 31 now I haven't lived with my mom since I was 25, and when I moved out of her house when I was 25, I didn't even have a job. I didn't even have a job at the time. I just had some money saved up and got myself a situation where my rent was low enough that it was going to be, I was going to be able to scratch and beg and borrow my way to make it happen, even if things did get ugly. You know, I was was in for a good deal. I had a low burn rate, and so I was going to be all right, and I'm not telling you guys this because I'm trying to brag, oh, look how cool I am. I don't even need a job. No, I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is that if a fucking dink like me can pull it off with no employment, you that has a steady job, you should be able to figure this out. Okay? There's, there should be no excuses for you. You, sh- you should be able to figure this out. And and the way these people play it off too, and, and some of these people, I know one guy, he's living back with his parents. Guy just bought a snowmobile. Just bought a snowmobile and lives with his fucking mom. I mean, who would who would want to fuck you? Who would want to fuck you when your priorities are that out of whack? You're a complete retard. You're a complete idiot. And I hear other people too. They're oh well, you know, yeah, I just bought a car. Um, just got a car. But I'm moving. I am moving back in with my parents, and it's just like, oh my god. Like, does your independence not mean anything to you? I mean, I love my mom, but fucking 45 minutes at a time, tops. I, I need to be able to pull the ripcord whenever. I can't do that if she's right down the hallway. Plus, I don't want to be around that all the time, you know? I want to need something motivating. Give me a fucking break. I don't need that shit. So, come on, you guys. Get it together. I know it's tough, okay? I'm not saying it's completely easy, but if you guys have steady work, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to get one or two roommates and find a place that you can reasonably afford, you guys, okay? Get your shit together, guys. We're in our 30s now. We have to, at some point, start acting like adults and quit blaming everybody else for our issues and fucking pull it together and figure this shit out, okay? And I'm just as bad as everybody else, and I'm doing my best here, but, uh, yeah, 
hopefully if I can stick to my own tips here, maybe you can make it happen. We'll see. But um, I better I better call it quits here, though. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. I don't know. That was just kind of something I threw together. I just I just see these th- these little things. I see them all at that time, and it's fucking infuriating to me. And I and I want to call my friends out, but I don't want to. I try to. I usually actually do try to not be too much of a dick. You know. I mean, I'll throw a jab here or there, but I try not to be too much of a dick. But fucking hey, man, shit just. Eats me away sometimes, but uh, speaking of eating away, eat away a bunch of time here, and I gotta get going. I gotta wrap this thing up. I got a show tonight. I'm gonna maybe try to get to the show. Yeah, that might be tough. The time we're at, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. My apologies on last week, you guys. I I screwed the pooch. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I did not come through. I I I did give it some effort, but clearly wasn't enough. Uh, but I'm gonna try to make that right. I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to make that right, you guys. And uh, we're going to try to get it going. Uh, I'm going to see. I might be able to pull another show for this week. Maybe this weekend. We'll see. No promises. But um, if not, we'll definitely get something going here for you guys. And uh, we'll keep it going here on an earful in the Emerald City. Again, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you joining us here again. 75, episode number 75. Got a little bleak. Got a little doom and gloom here, you guys. Uh, Again, I care about you guys. And I just I want you guys to be prepared for whatever. And I don't want you guys to get blindsided because a lot of people are, and I don't want you to be one of them. So um, it's a little, it's a little dull and it's a little dreary. But again, you got to be ready for anything. The person who's ready for anything is gonna survive anything, and I want that to be you guys. So have a plan, be ready, you guys, and uh, you know, like I said, be appreciative. And uh, speaking of appreciative, I appreciate all you guys listening. Thank you for joining us once again, episode 75. And uh, we will talk to you guys here uh, real soon. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it.